folks, welcome back to Love and Grit. I'm Laia. I'm Justin. And I'm Rachel. And today's show is full of dope multi-hyphenates that are taking multitasking to the next level. One of our favorites from the Love and Grit Collective, Kimberly McClon, returns to give us the scoop on the big things in store for Grant Boulevard, or should I say stores. Also, uh-oh, this just in our sister Jill Scott, the super multi-hyphenate, you know, singer, producer, director, actor, all the things. Yes, she is back home with a residency and she's putting our kids first. So stay tuned for that. But first, a game of fast, Philly fast. You know, why I can't never get our own Lightning round. That's Lightning what I'm saying. Round. You know what I think? I got to interrupt. I think you never were okay with the idea that I didn't want it to be fast five, that I wanted a lightning round. And I think because that was your initial idea, it kind of trips you up, baby. Are we talking back to like origin stories? Origin stories. (laughs) But like younger trauma? Yeah, drama. It's just how these siblings here, these three siblings, how we... It was trauma from the first time y'all criticized my seafood cheesesteak. See, I even remember the first category. Don't play with me. I thought that was like when we became a thing. Like, that's why I was like, this is going to be fun. We are doing it. Wow. What are we doing again? A lightning round. Oh, that's right. Okay. And Justin, what would, uh, you know, what new restaurant are you looking forward to going to? Yes. Um, Rachel, thank you. Listen, because see, initially what I was going to say is it's time for a love and grit on the road, Concha Hawkins style, because there's a new restaurant. Oh. See, but you acted up. I don't know if I wanted to. I was going to say I would want the three of us to experience Hook and Ladder Sky Bar. It's a new restaurant that's in a new hotel, Hotel Western Main in Concha Hawkins. And get this, nice. we got a $99 burger, a golden oh. burger. Wait a minute. On Rachel. Yeah. Guess what they have though on it, like yeah, lobster, lobster. Hmm. She loves seafood. I do love to say it made me think of her cheesesteak, and that's what's funny that she brought that up. (laughs) Yes, and my burger with the crab meat on it in a certain other area for the. No, 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 don't get me started. I'm sorry. So it has, so it has a butter poached lobster tail that I thought you would enjoy butter because butter makes it butter. It does. I thought you would enjoy it. I think the three of us should really experience it. It has a great, you know, rooftop view and it's something for us to. I love that you putting people on the conchi though. I I think that's great off the expressway i mean let's be honest <laughs> so right. i'll go next okay i'm go going ahead. with tulip Uh-oh. in south philadelphia it's a pasta place from jason chichonsky who i've known for a very long time he was on top chef about a decade ago and he's always Ooh. done great food things in philly oh okay Oh my God, I'm getting so hungry. Can I just tell y'all, everybody make sure they go to the Visit Philly site and look at this daggone list because it's just really, I'm hungry. Um, that's, wait, wait, Laya, that smoothie you had earlier, that's not that's not filling you up here in all these? Not things. after looking at these plates <laughs> on this website. Shout out to Chef Nock, who yes. we know from Kalea, but then she yes. got this other place called Mon, where it's like Cambodian noodle house. And it just looks so, oh, it just looks really good. Mm. I think I'm looking at a brand, is that a Branzina? What is that? Thing? I'm just saying, y'all know Philly is a place for eating. It's just it's what it is. It's what it is. Plenty of options, and a girl likes options. Let me tell you, baby. I think we should get this show started then. What you think, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Here at 
Grit, Love & Grit, we don't do repeats, but we do bring back dope folks from our collective that have something amazing to share. Enter Kimberly McClon, who you should know from her activism work and especially for her super dope store, Grant Boulevard. You know, the woman-owned and family-operated startup committed to creating fair wage employment opportunities in a sustainable fashion for marginalized folks, particularly those who have an experience with incarceration. Mm-hmm, yes, that Grant Boulevard. Okay. So now she has created a shoppable museum called Black Ivy. I know that word combination has you all in your fields like, ooh, what's that? Well, in true Kimberly style, Black Ivy is amazingly innovative and all about honoring our past. I know you need more. Kimberly McClellan is here to give it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me back again, family. You're one of yeah. our best friends. That's how I feel in my heart and my head. Yeah, absolutely. I'm always on her social and reading about me her. Me too. Liking, reading your articles. Sliding into her DM. Uh, like, ooh, when you coming back? But we knew you before everybody was writing all, all those articles. Mm-hmm. For fact. For fact. That you guys part. were early adopters. And that's why I'm back. Because I love you. We love I, what you're doing. I mean, like, I love it, it's it amazing that you have like taken this to the next level on such a big scale. That's a big leap. It takes a lot of courage to do that. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of like intellectual energy and creative energy and social energy. You know, we think about, I think about all of that as capital and and figuring out how to leverage all of those things that it takes to build something that is first of its kind. That is an extra level of vulnerability. You know, we think about thrift shops, we think about vintage fashion. We've never in this country yet really explored fashionist activism through the lens of looking at the style of the civil rights movement and how those figures that so many of us love and admire and have really leaned into for wisdom and know-how and encouragement and empowerment, how much their choice of dress, their fashion was also in alignment with their values Mm -hmm. and how they were communicating their values. That came to me and I was like, you know what? I'm not going to give up the brick and mortar that I built for Grand Boulevard. It's, you know, y'all know it's a reimagined car garage, great soil. But then we signed a lease to move our flagship to Penn's campus. And then it was like, what are we going to do with this space? And I was like, What are we going to do? And it was, you know what, when we think about this moment that we're in as a country, as citizens of this really interesting land historically, I really felt like reminding us of the civil rights movement and reviving that energy through fashion. I thought that it could be helpful. Let's talk about how did you come up with this name? It's just an honest story. It's I think an earlier me would have not have shared it, but, you know, here we are. I was really, for the first of my life, dealing with some really devastating grief last February. Went through a really challenging breakup and was just trying to recalibrate my identity and what was going to be my future in a period of really what felt like profound loss. And I was medicating myself on a Netflix documentary because that's what I do when I'm sad. (laughs) (laughs) Watching a documentary about this jazz artist, Lee Morgan. It's called Mm -hmm. I Called Him Lee. And it's about this jazz artist and really it's about his, his wife who... Helen Morgan. Yes, honey. Yeah, yeah. Who, as the story goes, she killed him. And so it's about... You on know, stage. On, yeah, in, yeah, in public, undeniable. It's about their love affair, and it was about... I wish everybody could see Rachel in my faces. Yes. I was to say, okay, so now I got to add this to my queue yes. of like what to watch. Go yes, ahead. I called him Morgan, but in the documentary, there's like one little 30-second little space where they talk about 
Lee Morgan's style and his contemporary mm-hmm. style, what John Coltrane was wearing, what Miles Davis was wearing, what Monk was wearing. And it, they just said they were all dressing in black ivy. And I had never heard it before. And, you know, in truth, I didn't do much with it. I didn't Google it. I didn't write it down. It just was like, okay. But was that said as like a brand? Yeah. No, no, no. It's a great question. It's actually a, a way that scholars have framed dress in that moment. So that oh, it's a movement. It's a, it's a yes. So what it was really these black intellectuals and creatives thinking about how to stand in conversation with with American prep style, right? Mm. Ivy style. That Got came you. Out of Princeton, right. So it came out of Princeton and then it went up and down the east. Yes. White men, this is really black ivy traditionally captured the style of men were adding sauce to, you know, to some extent emulating other ways, adding a lot of sauce to what they saw in these prep communities. Mm. And so then it gets adopted and it gets reworked through the lens of America's most impressive innovators, these black jazz artists. And I think for me that thinking about that legacy was figuring out how do I reframe or how do I reposition or differently position Black Ivy style so that it had more space to accommodate women. Mm-hmm. And so I curated a narrative arc between 1954. That's when the curation begins, which is Brown versus Board of Education. Y'all know I was a classroom ah. teacher for many years. Yes. So thinking about that as a, a major part of the movement of civil rights, of the preservation of civil rights comes through education. Put a pin in that because we can talk about what's happening in states across the country to challenge how education can or cannot set up compassionate thinking, which will or will not contribute to the preservation of democracy as we aspire for it to be. Come on, Kimberly McClellan. Come on now. (laughs) And then I track it through 1972 when Shirley Chisholm runs for president as the first black female candidate. Some people know, may not know, I've served for almost 10 years as a councilwoman yes. just outside the city. And so that that way of thinking about all the ways in which the protection of civil rights gets funneled through our institutions is really what Black Ivy is about. You know, fashion is a, is becomes a uniform for what mm-hmm. we care about. And I think that, you know, just really sitting with with these figures that have been so powerful and how I've survived you know, from what I've listened to, to what I've read, to what I watched and really being able to reframe their contributions through style has been so exciting for me. You know, getting people to think about the Black Panther Party through the lens of not that they were, you know, that they were a terrorist organization of themselves, or they were an anti-terror organization that was really challenging the violence of white supremacy and thinking about how to live in respect to it alongside it. And so that idea of even just like thinking about how to reframe who our heroes are in this democracy has been really, it's been fun for me. I mean, you're moving mountains. And it's so great because usually we're so concerned about what's coming out of our heroes' mouths and whatnot. But when you really think back and you think of a lot of amazing photos of some of your favorite folks, it's funny when you said something about women and you were like, you know, it was typically a male thing. I still think of Sarah Vaughn. I think of these dresses of that time. Mm -hmm. Like you're, you're designing these dresses with these wide I'm the scoop neck, like the scoop neck right. with the patterns and the dresses that kind of go, they're tighted in the, in the, the tailoring way. The and the yes. mm-hmm. So it's interesting because I've looked at Coretta Scott King quite a few times and went, no, we don't get a chance to say she was, she was, she was styling. Yes, yes, she was. What's the response been as far as from local businesses, as far as consumers, just the support or lack thereof? Like, what has that been like for you so far? Let's talk about that. It's been beautiful. And it's also been, you know, we opened in Black History Month. That was a very intentional choice. I wanted to contribute something to 2023's, the Philadelphia's landscape of Black History Month by opening in February. 
And, you know, so we're a month in the first month, I'll tell you, we've broken even. So like the, the energy yeah. has been well enough where the project is not in debt. There's no debt associated with the project. That's right? amazing. That's, Congratulations. That's, a good, that's a great start. That's a great start. But and there are still things available too. So. There are, and there are always been things available. I was just in Virginia. <laughs> and I was like, wait, why is texting her a list of what she's interested in? No, I literally, like, I was going, I was going, to, the, yeah. I was going to the There's website. There's some new candles. I just work with a black owned candle company here in Philadelphia to bring to life a candle that I, that I was just like in my heart. That what is, is a, it? It's a fist that comes in different flesh tones. It's, yeah. Yep. Which is all oh, about. Yes. You know, Kimberly, yes. Yes. It smells delicious. And it also is art. You know, you can put it in your office. You can put it in your in your living room just to sit as a reminder <laughs> to your guest about how you're anchoring yourself. So yeah. you're doing different skin tones. What one would I buy? Would I buy the one that like matches well, my skin tone? So this is the or, thing. This is, the this thing. is a I true question. This. Because the listen, question. you're asking the guest this question and this isn't a sidebar of Laia and Justin and I talking and what oh. my answer would be. You go ahead. I'm back is, to you. This, I, this I would be, like everyone's answer. In some, in some circles, this will be a brave question that Justin is asking. Oh, no, go ahead, Jay, with your brave question. And he knows it's a safe space for a brave question. It is a safe. Thank you. And that's what makes love grip so awesome. Is because that's what that's what it is. I think Justin, you can choose whatever color flesh tone you want. So what we buy is one story of how we feel, but what art becomes is a landscape for conversation. So when someone comes into your house, yeah. they could see the the flesh tone that aspires to mimic the ivory of someone who I would identify as white. And someone else might read that and say, "Ooh, are you giving? What are you giving? Are you giving white power? What are you right? Giving? Right? Is that, what you're, is that what you're signaling?" But then it becomes. And this is what art is. Art is a tool for teaching. It's a tool for many things, right? It's about beauty, but it's also about conversation. And then that becomes an opportunity for you to decide what are you disclosing and why. You can choose any other flesh tone. It could be that your partner identifies as Latino. So you want to give something that is a shout out to standing in solidarity with them. It could be oh. that your partner is black and you want to do something that's standing in solidarity with them. So the story he, he wants two fists. To represent his ladies, he wants two sisters. My two sisters. <laughs> and, that's right. and that's what you do. And then when someone right. comes to your house or in your office and they see that, then you, you say, go. that's in solidarity yeah. of me and that's my That's Rachel and that's Laia. That's right. And I'm with them. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Oh my God. I love it. Kimberly, I love that your first act was in the classroom because you got to put your wisdom in so many kids' heads who are growing up and becoming adults. I love to hear this, but it's more important that those kids heard you Yeah, yeah. because we need as much of what you're doing and saying, but <laughs> doing, doing. The saying is the easy part. It's the doing that you do, but the saying to the kids has been so important. That's what's going to make this world better. People like you teaching. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful career. You know, one of my former students, she got married this last weekend and she posted pictures and I just said, you look so gorgeous. And I think about, I was a classroom teacher for 20 years. And I, so I started when I was like 19. And when I started teaching, I had an opportunity to fall in love with, to cheerlead, to be a social worker, to be a coach, to be a mentor, to be a, a maternal figure for literally thousands of young people who were disproportionately white. And when we think about in a school that was all white and I was the only teacher of color, how rare it is for kids to, and this is the importance of diverse teachers. I was the first person of color they had deeply loved. I was the first person of color for many of them who showed up when they were sad and feeling broken and overwhelmed. And I was the first person that they could see was an authority that was safe. So we have so many people who go out 
into the workforce. And because they haven't had diverse people in positions of authority, they don't even know how to be in relationship with someone who doesn't look like them. That's in a position of authority. Right. So I, when I think about Grant Boulevard, as I think about, you know, moving on to Penn's campus and Black Ivy now really situated very strongly on Drexel's campus. I'm teaching at Drexel this to this term. Right, you're busy. Maya Angelou said this, another one of those women who was just Afrofuturistic in her ability to understand the just life, all of it. She said, when I die, I want to burst into dust. You know, I want to feel like what I used in terms of leveraging my time and my talents to really try to be a source of light and a conduit of light. I don't want to miss the mark. This is you a know? reoccurring thing. Jazzy Jeff, just we just had this conversation with Jazzy Jeff. He yes. says, die with nothing. Right. Die what what are you holding on to? Yes. And there's so much work to be done. We all have so much, so much pain. We all have, we're observing so much struggle that it becomes, how are you using some of that precious, precious energy to address your own suffering and to alleviate someone else's suffering. Right. And relief. You know, if, relief. Yeah. Everyone's looking for relief. Yeah. Yeah. Black, and, white, any color, any person, human is looking for relief. We've been through a pandemic. People our age have gone from analog to digital. There's a lot going on here besides everyone's individual traumas. That's right. Mm. It's so interesting. The more children you taught, the more it gets amplified out in the world. Just because it's just the way they feel, it's not the way they have to do something. Yeah, I hope it makes them better neighbors and parents and daughters, mm-hmm. and husbands and wives. So do we dare ask you like, well, what's next then, Kimberly? You gonna take over, take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I think what's next is, in the short term, you know, Grand Boulevard is gonna open on Penn's campus. I think it's the first black owned business that's ever been on Penn's campus. We won't That's hold amazing. that against them. Yeah, no, no, no. We won't hold it against I mean, it, <laughs> No, no, no. Let's celebrate. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate. Yeah. I'm really hoping that Penn takes advantage of what will be perhaps a monumental arrival on their campus and that they are honest and forthcoming and excited to share what that says about their journey and their evolution. Oh, okay. I'm rooting for them. So yeah, we're going to open up on Penn's campus the first week in April, and we, we're doing something completely different with how we're approaching design. This is the first time that we're going to be releasing things that really are aligned to what I believe in. You know, before this in, in Grand Boulevard, we were working with upcycling men's shirts, which means it was like super small batch. And then we tried to grow a little bit by moving into Deadstock, which is small batch. And, and now we have a really incredible fabric partner in New York, and we're able to design what I want to design, which is fashion for shapeshifters. You know, when I think about myself, I think about my homegirls, my homies. We are people who have lived very full lives. We want our clothes to feel easy on our bodies. You want them to be able to translate through just a pair of a change of shoes or a change of buttons or adding a little or if bit. you're traveling. And, yes. Yeah, but we want, it, we want it to be easy. We want it to be yeah. slick. We want it to be easy. And so this is going to give that in sustainably sourced ways in transparency about pricing, transparency about fabric stories. And we're still making it local. So you like, ask what's next. I'm working on, a, I'm really optimistic. We're going to land this incredible nonprofit partner that's going to help us to relaunch. It's a quarter million dollar budget to relaunch a training program where workforce development emissions. And that's the thing you're operating on so little money. Billions and millions are given out for stupid reasons Mm. to support this effort. When I hear that, like you're working so hard, we got to let them know. Yeah. And we have to really actually make them feel like, you know, regardless, whenever we think about impact investors or we think about foundations who also have arms for investment, Wherever they give their money, they're always taking a risk. 70% of what they take a risk on is going to fail. 98% of it is going to be white male led. 
And so Mm -hmm. we have to figure out at what point are we really betting on a new way forward, a new sense of what's possible and a new standard for what we're expecting of businesses, because our bar has been far too low for far too long. And it's now or never. I'm really figuring out how do we improve what's happening in one neighborhood. West Philly is, that's where I'm, that's where I'm landing. So I'll be on Drexel's campus and Penn's campus. I love that. And uh, I'm really, really excited about making Philadelphia a destination in shopping, in fashion as activism, and an epicenter where Black women are doing phenomenal things in service of the greater good. Can you remind people of your Instagram and your handle and all of that? We're happy to. Y'all can find us, beautiful listening audience, on Instagram at B-L-K-I-V-Y Thrift. And then you can find Grand Boulevard at G-R-A-N-T-B-L-V-D on Instagram, Facebook. And we'd love to see you in person. Yeah, go in person. It's more fun. It's an experience, really. I've really been intentional about about creating a special experience for you. Lots of discoverable moments. Yeah. Yeah. And I I really hope that Grand Boulevard becomes the uniform for Philadelphia progressives, where it's like, oh, turquoise. Oh, you got the sage. Oh, that means you stole for Black women. Oh, that means you care about sustainability. Oh, you care about living wages. Oh, you think about the greater good. Oh, I see you in that, in that red. I see you in that uniform. I see Mm -hmm. that. That's what Mm -hmm. I, that's, that's the ambition that it becomes, you look across the room and you look at what someone's wearing and you're like, Oh, they just put up the fist by their outfit. This is King Saladin on Love and Grit, and I am officially the epitome of what Philadelphia is. One thing we know is that Jill Scott is busy. As film and TV projects hold, Jill has already kicked off her anniversary tour, putting the finishing touches on a new album, all while still raising and keeping up with her teenage son. However, know this, Jill Scott will make time for her hometown. As a matter of fact, she's made sure to make extra time for Philly. We don't get a show, we get a residency at the Met for three days. And she even made time for the children, which is where I ended up catching up with my sis star, backstage at a fundraiser for her almost two decade old nonprofit, Blues Babe, dedicated to uplifting the children from North Philadelphia. How did she do it and why? Let's ask her. I grew up in North Philly, mm-hmm. and I went to an elementary school that just didn't have a lot of things, you know? Didn't have books that weren't ripped up or torn up, and that was kind of the way. Mm-hmm. Community centers and such were the same. All the resources were kind of tore up. And my mom sent me to a free camp. We had to take a bus, we had to catch the SEPTA <laughs> to get to a church, and the church took us way out somewhere. I still Ooh, don't even know. Sleepaway camp? No, it wasn't oh, okay. sleepaway. Okay. They brought us back every day. But we went out to the neighborhood, just started changing, yeah. and the houses were bigger. They had grass. More trees. Trees. Now, where I come from, it's concrete in the front, houses on the side, and concrete in the back. So it was trees and grass, and, and, and that was incredible already. But then we would get all the way to camp. It was so much grass. It was archery and horseback riding oh. and, and swimming in a really clean pool. And there were people that read to us, and we took hikes and all of this amazingness. And it gave me a bigger world view mm. that there was more than what I was accustomed to. So I started the Blues Bay Foundation. You know, I named it after my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Her name was Blue, her nickname. And I just wanted to offer kids that were from the quote unquote bottom like me, I wanted to offer them a bigger worldview. 
that life wasn't just here, that it wasn't just gunshots and loud voices and loud music. And there was a lot of good in the hood as well, but these things were prominent. And if my mother hadn't introduced me to camp and, and the arts and different kinds of books, I don't know what I would have been or what I would have done. So that's the reason for this foundation. And my grandma said, don't throw your pearls to swine. Mm. So mm. you have to have a certain grade point average. I was going to ask you, what do the kids have to do to be blessed to be in Blues Bay? Well, you have to be from the bottom. So okay. it's either North <gasps> Philly. North, I love that. Yes, because yeah. North Philly deserves a love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's North Philly or Camden. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right. right. And it's a free camp. It's about a week. Sometimes we get two, depending on the money that we get. I'd love to get more. I'd love for them to stay overnight. But basically, our kids come in as campers. Mm-hmm. They age out of camping mm-hmm. and become counselors that they get paid for I being a that. camp counselor. Okay. And then after they've aged out of that, they typically go to college. And when they do, Blues Babe is there to help them with the books because sometimes you can afford your tuition and you might be able to afford transportation, but you don't have anywhere to stay and you don't have any food to eat. Right. So these are the things that I experienced when I was going to school. I could get my tuition, I couldn't get the books, mm-hmm. and I really needed somebody to give me some some help. Right. So this is where Blues Babe helps those who are helping themselves. And you're an institution by now. By now, you're almost 15 years old, right? Blues almost Babe is almost 15, 15 years old. Yeah. So that means that your babies are now out of college, and they're grown. Yes. So that, what is that like? It's fire, okay? I'm watching our young people they're touring with Beyonce. They're curators from museums. Ooh. They're lawyers. They're dentists. It's been pretty freaking incredible watching these people that I met at 10, 11, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. They're moving and expanding in a way that I'm just, I can't even put my, my mind around. Or some of them were 16 or 17 being camp counselors. Mm-hmm. And now they're thriving in whatever jobs they have or whatever career patterns they've decided to take. And it is the best feeling ever because I know where I come from and I know the challenges that were there so to see them thriving is just thrilling what's funny about what you're saying as I'm listening to you I'm like she doesn't realize that while she's creating these dope Philadelphia stories that people look at your story and they think the same thing look at her thriving doing all these things you're in the midst of your first tour since the pandemic Mm -hmm. what does it feel like being back home and you and you gave Philly like three shows which is like just talk about your love for Philly and what it feels like being home what it is is that there's so much of me in these streets Mm -hmm. there's so much of me in these streets Mm -hmm. we're on second street right now Mm -hmm. at the Arden Theater Company I built this place I, what do you mean? You I, built, I, mean I, don't, I built it. I don't understand what you're saying, Jill I'm Scott. saying that I use sledgehammers and knock down This walls. is the place that this, you use? This is the place. Wow. I use jackhammers. You I, polished some wood here, honey, I remember you saying. The whole first floor when you walk in, I mopped that joker every day for a year and a half. Wow. And I did this for free acting classes. 14 hours a day, six days a week. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to girls high school. Mm-hmm. I went to Temple University. Mm-hmm. There's like so many things about the beginning of my life, the things that impacted me the most. 
that are in these streets. The restaurants I went to, you know, sharing a, a cheesesteak with a girlfriend because I had a dollar fifty and so did she. Mm. You know, them <laughs> so, days is over. Dollar fifty cheesesteaks. Oh, the days. days. Yes, the I'm days. saying. Yes, like, but I'm saying it's so many. Yes, it's so many wonderful memories and funny memories and scary memories mm. and life affirming memories in these streets. Mm. So I, I had to show Philly some love. Because it's the place that made me, yeah. you know, that groomed me, that yeah. taught me, you know, to keep my head on a swivel out in these streets. <laughs> yeah. I went to Greenfield. I went to Albert M. Pierce Elementary. This is the beginnings of all the things that made me me. What is it that you look forward most to when you come back to Philly? Like, immediately, I have to have this. Well, I have to have Sid Booker's. Oh, man. Shrimp. Yes. <laughs> Listen, you keep it so North Philly. That's Sid Booker's mm-hmm. was like the treat of all treats. It tastes the same, too. It tastes the same. Okay, okay. It's so good, and the coleslaw is better than it used to be. Okay. Yeah. Coleslaw, Jim, all right. Listen, all right. I love I'm Sid Booker's. I'm potato salad. Okay, all right. I got a dozen shrimp. I ate them slow with my shoes off. <laughs> and eventually, during the course of this week, because I'm older now, so it's only so much rich foods I can uh-huh, eat. Uh-huh. But eventually... After a couple of days of salads and vegetables, mm-hmm. I'm going to Ishkabibbles <laughs> and I'm going to get a pizza steak. You're not going to like this. People I'm going to get a pizza steak. With a pizza steak. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. With mustard. Mm-hmm. Yep. And mm. pickles. I know. I know. I was just happy that you picked mm. my favorite cheesesteak mm. place, but then mm. you, you went mm. to. Got to do it. And that is your. And, and last but not least, Jill, when you think of Philly, how does that make you think of Loving Red? I got a lot of love here. I got a lot of love from people I didn't know. It was a lot of strangers that were kind to me for zero reason. That thing had helped me move forward in every step. Mm-hmm. You know, from the lady I forgot my tokens, and she was like, here you go. Some stranger. So many moments yeah. in my life. Moments like that where somebody was kind to me in this city. And the grit, <laughs> I learned how to experience hate Mm. and not let it consume me. Mm -hmm. You have to be strong to come from Philadelphia. Do not get it twisted. I know everybody thinks their city is the toughest or the roughest or whatever, whatever. (laughs) I'm just saying that everything has a balance, right? Mm -hmm. And as much love as you can get out of this city, you can get the opposite as well. And I'm grateful that I had a chance to experience both, but more love than anything else. Two amazing women to end Women's History Month. Both interviews were amazing. Both women are amazing. Mm -hmm. As are you guys. How much fun have we had? We were like going down memory lane today. Yeah. This was like a a baby podcast. Right? And from a podcast to a full-on culture, lifestyle brand, we've done so much. We talked to so many people. And during the pandemic, we went hard. We We went every week. Philly Mag had us in like the top 50 things to do during the pandemic. Number 15 of the top things to do at home in Philly. Yes. Oh my And that was just the beginning. And what we've built, what a community, a collective. You said at the beginning of the show. It's a collective. We formed a beautiful, I mean, just our businesses alone, the representation that we've had on this show of black and brown businesses and how now we have like a family and we have just this bat of like, what do you need? We got that. What do you need? We got that. That's brainstorming ideas and how can we amplify and let's partner or you know what? We want people to have a slice of Philly. We're going to, you know, 
Miami Arts Week, who's coming along? I was just uh, telling somebody, I was like, we're the only podcast where we talk about stuff and, and we make do. it happen. Like yep. business deals are done as we're doing these. It things. is. <laughs> it's so fun to do them though, because it just makes so much sense. It has been an amazing journey with you guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate everyone's support, all of our listeners' support, and just spending this time with you guys has been we amazing. We always said, you always said it. It's your favorite part of the day. That's you right. say that. It is yeah. my favorite part of the day, but it's also one of the things I like to say and truly mean once you are a guest on this podcast, you are part of the Love and Grit family. Oh, and, man. you know, that is something That's that what's is so real. cool. It's like people helping people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm thank, enjoying the ride. And thank y'all for helping me be on two billboards. I just wanted to throw that out there, too. <laughs> I remember Laina's folks were, like, pulling off the side. Yes. <laughs> to get yes. that on there, baby girl. Because it was on the best spot. It was on the Vine Expressway. But like, very what? dangerous. Very dangerous. Vine is 76. Don't do that. Don't do that at home. Don't do it at home. But thank you for doing it. <laughs> 